Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The sound of endurance racing around the world. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello everyone, Richard Crow here and welcome to On The Grid, a weekly in-depth look at the Australian motorsport scene here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. On The Grid covers everything from supercars to S5000, TCR to Australian GT and a whole heap more. The weekly spread of interviews, news, views and opinion on what makes the sport tick down under. We'd love to have you involved as well. If you've got any questions about Antipodean racing, drop us a line on the socials by using at the race talk on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, and we'll include your question in the next show. So that's it from me. Grab a beer, put a snag on the Barbie, fire up some Bathurst on the TV and crank up your V8 and enjoy an Aussie look at our great sport. And let's welcome the show's host with the most, the voice of the Melbourne cricket ground as well, is Tony Shebecki. Hello everyone and welcome to On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com and heard on the radio show Limited on RS1. It's a big week for Australia in motorsport with the 85th running of the Australian Grand Prix and the 25th running of the race on the streets of Albert Park here in Melbourne. Richard Crowell and Mark Walker to join me shortly to discuss the weekend's racing and Tickford racing driver Lee Holdsworth to chat to me later about a big weekend in his truck assist Mustang. But first, the week's news. And a lot has been centred around the coronavirus and its effects on motor racing. The FIA and Victorian government have been given the weekend's racing a big thumbs up here in Melbourne, while Bahrain has been declared a spectator-free zone. The Ferrari team given special dispensation to leave a lockdown Italy and make their way to the Australian Grand Prix. Here's Victorian Minister for Sport and Recreation, Martin Pakula. I am still confident uh, that the Grand Prix uh, will will go ahead. All of the uh, all of the indications from Formula One management is that uh, the Grand Prix uh, is you know they plan for the Grand Prix to go ahead. Uh, a, a number of uh, setup uh, you know the setup is is already occurring. Uh, we would be expecting machinery and teams to be arriving. Uh, you know, from today through to the end of the weekend. So we are almost at the point where everybody uh, is going to be here within within the next few days. Uh, but having said that, uh, as I said at a press conference two days ago, I recognise that this situation is extremely dynamic uh, and to some extent um, there, there are matters that are out of control. The decisions that the Commonwealth might make, the decisions that might be made uh, overseas... Um, so, you know, I, I am very hopeful and confident, but I can't say uh, anything uh, about it with, a, with absolute certainty. Meanwhile, the MotoGP world has gone hard early with their decision, forcing the movement of the Thai MotoGP to October 4 after cancelling Qatar. Dorna CEO Carmelo Espelita. Our aim today is to work together, as we have been doing all this time, to try to make the championship in the best possible conditions, but to try to maintain the championship and the maximum number of races we can. 
F1 teams and drivers have started arriving in Australia. Some have come straight to Melbourne, while others, like world champion Lewis Hamilton, decided to go via the bushfire-affected areas of New South Wales. Lewis explains from his Twitter account. So we are here in the beautiful bushland of Australia, not far from, a couple of hours from Sydney. Uh, we landed this morning in Sydney from a the long flight from London, and straight from the airport uh, we came out to the bush because... I wanted to visit a couple of places, uh, one of the organisations particularly, uh, Wires, which is, a, which is where I donated my money to, uh, who um, are in charge of uh, response and looking after the animals that were struggling through the bushfires, but also really to also just see the devastation of the, of the bushfires and just see, see it with your own eyes, because it's different when you read about it or when you watch it on TV, it looks horrifying, but when you see actually the real devastation up close and how vast the, the land is it's um it's even more heartbreaking and then just knowing that over uh, i think it's 1.5 billion animals uh perished during, during that time as well it was it was really important for me to try and support some of the people that out there who are trying to look after you know rescue the animals and then help them recover and then get them back out into into um into to the wildlife so um, yeah, so this it's been really informative today just to see that it's um, Wires actually has thousands of volunteers throughout the country who just in their spare time just give to looking after these beautiful animals and and you know helping feed them and nurture them and getting them back on their feet. I just wanted to come out here and just see it, and it's been a real uh, a really amazing experience. Racing Point driver Lance Stroll met up with former world number one Leighton Hewitt for a hit of tennis at Melbourne Park, the home of the Australian Open. Lance not giving too much away when talking about his chances. Well, I'm hoping to have a strong season. Uh, it's early days. We haven't even completed our first weekend yet, so uh, we'll have to see what happens. But, um, you know, I always look forward to coming coming out uh, here in Melbourne for the uh, for the first race and uh, some good, good memories of last year. We scored a couple points, so... Looking forward to uh, to this year, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be very competitive. It's going to be very close, but um, you know that's what Formula One's all about. And uh, yeah, definitely uh, ready to get back into it. Meanwhile, Aussie Daniel Ricciardo believes having fun will be the thing that keeps him in the sport for a longer period of time than others. Ricciardo has been credited with changing the demeanour of drivers in the sport by his fun-loving antics on and off the track. Ricciardo telling FormulaOne.com's Will Buxton in a very open and honest interview that his personality just comes naturally. I guess I'm proud of because it's all been very, um, a common word we use today is organic <laughs> so, in many ways. So uh, yeah, it's, it's something which I, I felt I didn't have to try and create. You know, it, it happens naturally through the process of experience and, and understanding myself and, and I think just, yeah, who I am in the sport, in life. And, you know, my, per, fortunately, my personality, I think, has come across quite well in a sport where... I felt 10 years ago it was quite difficult to, you know, let your personality shine. You know, I always felt F1 was a very kind of rigid business-like format where you just rock up to work and nod your head and do your job and that's it. So, uh, yeah, to be able to have brought some uh, charisma into the sport. I mean, even I look back, you know, things like the shoey, like that's... At the time, I was like, I'm an idiot for doing this, but I, now I, I stand here quite proud to have brought some something something new into the sport and... Um, and again, not forced, you know, I'm not trying to be the, the class clown or anything. It's just, it's me having fun and 
I think that's important. You know, as, as much as this is a job and a career, you also need to have fun, I think, in anything you do. So the way I'm able to have fun still at the top level of my profession, that's, that'll get me, I think, keep me in the sport for longer. You know, it'll keep me enjoying it for more years. Porsche Carrera Cup will once again be one of the high-quality supports at the AGP and a familiar supercar face will race in Carrera Cup for the first time. Craig Lowndes will pilot a second car provided by Stephen Grove for the weekend and Lowndes says after winning the 12-hour in a Porsche, he now feels part of the family. From that Bathurst program, it was really nice to join the Porsche family and to have this opportunity to drive at the Grand Prix or the Melbourne Grand Prix, that's going to be something that uh, I'm looking forward to. It's on my program this year to try and be behind the wheel more. I'd like to be doing more racing and uh, you know, through the Porsche family, hopefully there's other opportunities that open up. It's fun to drive, it's got really good rear stability, but again, I've just got to get used to that weight transfer from obviously being a rear engine configured car, but uh, a lot of fun, very easy to drive. Stephen Grove, happy to use the Touring Car Champion. We really want to see how he goes in a cup car and, and it's such a different driving style to a V8. We sort of spoke to him and said, would you be happy to do it? And he did. So it's a home Grand Prix, so it's really exciting. TCR, S5000 and supercars, all part of the support category this weekend. That's all the news for now. Let's dissect what's going to be a massive weekend down under. Joining us for a chat from our Adelaide studios from the racetalk.com, Richard Crail. Good day to you, mate. Shabekster, nice to be with you. Lovely to be with you. Mark Walker also joining us from our Brisbane studios. Hello, Mark. Shabex, crazy, big weekend, Grand Prix, coronavirus, free zone. We're all about the car racing here and on the grid. Well, fingers crossed it is a coronavirus free zone. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out over the next few days. Are we concerned about that, boys? Not so much the coronavirus, but what it may do to the crowd over the weekends? Uh, no, I'm not. I, I, think, um, I think from everything that I've read and seen reported on that uh, there's a pretty good hold on the situation. And at the moment, there's been no reports of anything transmitted person-to-person in Victoria. Um, you had 86,500 at the G on Sunday night for the World Cup final. So there was... You know, there's been no issues reported out of that a couple of days after. So, look, I think they've got it in hand. Will, will it affect the crowd? Look, it might. Some people may decide to stay away, but I, I can't see it being an enormous impact. Um, through all this, life's just got to go on, doesn't it? And Australia so far has done a pretty solid job, I think, in jumping on this early and quarantining people who have come in from overseas and whatnot. So, um yeah, I, look, will it affect the crowd? It might, but uh, I don't think it will be overly noticeable, um, if at all. Rich, I've got to say, the crowd there at the Grand Prix, it's always a bit of an eclectic one. Like, I've stood up there in Punterville at various times over the years, and there's people from everywhere. Like, it's not like you stand on the hill outside of Turn 2 there once. To remember, and there wasn't an Aussie around. Everyone was a tourist. Everyone was from out of town. Everyone spoke a different language. So mm. it'd be interesting to see, you know, if less people are doing doing the touristy stuff at the moment, whether that has a bit of an impact on that. Obviously, all the grandstands and the corporates and all that, you know, they're all largely local people who come along and fill those seats every year. So you wouldn't expect that to take much of a hit. But uh, just those general sort of itinerant punters who come and go as they please and are, are there just to see something a bit special. Um, if tourist numbers are down, that might take a bit of a hit. I thought it was quite interesting that the uh, boys from Ferrari had to get a letter from 
mum and dad, it was like the old school, and basically produced that to say that they are free to, free to fly from Modena, which is one of the many regions in Italy now which has been shut down. It would have been an absolute shame had we have not had a Ferrari team at the Australian Grand Prix. Well, the the race wouldn't have happened if Ferrari weren't there. The the FIA and the Formula One Concord Agreement and everything around that means that if one team can't be there for whatever reason, then the whole thing just shuts down. So it wouldn't have happened. There wouldn't have been a Grand Prix, mm. um, and that that would have been an enormous drama. The the bigger drama would be what what happens. Um, and I. I was of the opinion that you couldn't kill the event. The event, it would be like Gold Coast Indy 2009 when A1GP fell over, supercars stepped up, the support category stepped up, and you still had an event, and at least it kept it going. The the bloodbath that would occur financially if Formula One, if they just cancelled the event completely, would be unbelievable. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think from a timing point of view, they've, they've probably got lucky in getting the Italians out. And bear in mind, it's not just it's not just Ferrari. It's Alfa Tori, the artist formerly known as Toro Rosso, and Pirelli are Italian as well. So the entire sports tyre supply comes out of there. So without without all three of those, the, the race just doesn't happen. Simple as that. Um, so, yeah, look, uh, they've, they've dodged the bullet. What it means for, for post-Albert Park, I don't know, and I don't think anybody knows at the moment. Bahrain's running behind closed doors, but... Right now, if you if you go to Italy, you're in quarantine for two weeks. So, do all the Ferrari and Toro Rosso and Pirelli guys just stay away? Is that what happens so they can continue racing? I don't know. That's that's a problem for bigger people than I to fix. But um, yeah, I, I sure feel like we've probably got lucky that we can have a race this weekend. I'm actually not sure if they're going to be well, allowed I mean, home. Ferrari do, do run F1, so I mean there wouldn't have been any problems with the race being shut down if they couldn't yeah. race. I mean, that was enough. Like, exactly. Could you imagine S5000 is the feature headline and yeah. uh, the yeah. grab for seats, uh, selling seats to F1 drivers so we could have a main event with S5000 cars. Well, I mean, pretty close to having one anyway, but uh, yeah. that would have been something else. Yeah. It would yep. have been quite amazing. I'm just not sure whether the Ferrari guys are actually going to be allowed home between races either. That could be an interesting situation with the town in lockdown. Uh Let's have a look at some of the categories. Of course, we've got plenty of support categories, and you mentioned one S5000. The attention that that's going to grab from people behind the fences and the like as they see these for the majority of people, probably even 95 96% of the people who attend the Grand Prix this weekend will see the, F5, the S5000s for the very, very first time. I think it's going to be a bit of a head-turner, boys. Yeah, it is. It's going to be. It's going to be pretty special. I hope it, it's something pretty special. Um, it's very hard to predict what the kind of racing is going to be like because we just don't know. We've we've got a very small sample size of these cars actually competing wheel to wheel at Sandown and at the Bend, um, Albert Park. Probably not famous for producing an enormous amount of wheel to wheel hand to hand combat racing anyway. So will we see that? Don't know, but certainly. The quality of the field is good enough to put on a great a great motor race. And there's a, a terrific mix of young talent coming through the ranks. We had Zane Goddard on the show last week. He was terrific. He's in for the full championship. Um, Lewis Leeds, Formula 4 champion, who's going to be fun, good to watch. And then you've got the experienced Aussies like Tim Macro, who's a three-time Aussie, Aussie F3 champion, gold star winner. And then the ringing contingent is outstanding. And Giancarlo Fisichella. Rubens Barrichello, there's more than 500 Grand Prix experience there. James Davison, who's led the Indy 500, 
Um, and Jack Aitken, who's a winner in FIA Formula 2 and the current Williams Test and Reserve driver. So from that perspective, the field is very, very deep. And I, I think they'll put on a show. Um, I'm of the understanding that all of the cars will be running the brand new exhaust system this weekend, which basically is exactly the same as the old exhaust system, except it removes the mufflers. So there's no doubt that the cars will be the loudest things at Albert Park. Um, they're going to be fast. They're going to be spectacular. And, and it's the best possible place for what is, I think, essentially the formal launch of this category. And hopefully they put on a show. And if they do that, it will mean people will go to their rounds later in the year in the championship proper. And, and hopefully it's a great launching pad for this exciting new category. Yeah, I mean, no pressure, Rich, to put on that good show. And I guess another class that'll be looking to really put their best foot forward be the TCRs, the massive grid of those guys uh, stepping up. Big showcase for them in front of all the eyeballs. You know, it would be the same sort of case. People mightn't necessarily have been to a Shannon's Nationals round last year or, or watched uh, any of the coverage. If they see these and they put on a heck of a show, that'll certainly go a long way to competing some uh, hardcore fans to them for a big season ahead. Yeah, it certainly will. There's no doubt about it. Well, let's talk about the, the TCR. Uh, as you mentioned, a, a massive field ahead for the TCR Australia Championship this weekend, and it's effectively a, a sort of a, a TCR Asia International field, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and that was all part of it. We call it the Asia Pacific Cup, which is great, and try and tap into some of the, the regional stuff. And TCR is in Malaysia, it's in Japan, it's in China, although nothing's coming out of there at the moment. Um, so they're trying to... Trying to tap into that and build something for the long term that this can be a bit of a bit of a hallmark event for TCR on the on the international and regional calendar and, and what better place to do it than Albert Park. Um, do you get the vibe though that 5000 has taken away some of the limelight from TCR a bit? It's been dominating the headlines and just signing drivers like Rubens Barrichello and Giancarlo Fisichella. You're never going to match that from a touring car point of view. So uh, it's all the same. It's all the same house, isn't it? Same people running it. So I suppose as long as they're both going well, it doesn't really matter. But five thousand for mine has dominated the headlines leading into this weekend, and TCR is almost playing playing the support category role to that. But it's going to be an interesting experiment, and of course, this is the first time we'll see them on the same program as a supercar round. So um, for for supercar fans, the open minded ones, especially that haven't seen them before, they might watch this and go, "Hey." These things are pretty cool. We'll, we'll pop out to a round of theirs or two later on this year as well. We saw the bit in auto action the other day that the ARG will stop bankrolling TCR as they did last year to get it up and running. So there mightn't be that big injection of star names in there getting a, a free kick sort of thing. So that now, now that the category has to stand on its own two feet, there won't be all those, those guys coming in for the odd round, which is good for the championship. It makes it a lot more viable if they're not having – a dolly up for all the uh, the guest drivers, but by the same token, you're not going to have necessarily your Garth Tanders and Russell Ingalls and all these guys uh, coming out of the woodworks to to prop up the field. Whereas at the moment, like you said, those four sort of named guys, uh, uh, that might be on a bit of a deal there in the S5000s, but they're doing that for all the right reasons to uh, get people involved and, and have them racing against these big star names. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, Regardless of a lack of out-and-out star power in the TCRs, you look at the races from last year, I think Phillip Island might have been the best round for the TCRs, and it's the same sort of spec, open-flowing, big, bad track. So, you know, fingers crossed that converts to another good weekend this weekend. 
Carrera Cup Australia were also racing around the streets of Albert Park over the weekend and they had a fantastic first round over in Adelaide. There was some really exciting racing and a couple of cars banged up. Richard, the situation with those cars and uh, will we see a full field on the track? Uh, yeah, I think we will. The, the biggest story, of course, is that Craig Lowndes will be making his Carrera Cup debut, um, which is very exciting in a second car from Grove Racing. So uh, it's not the first time this kind of thing's happened at Albert Park. Very long time ago now, in 2012, Mark Scaife actually did a, a solo round in Carrera Cup right at the very end of his supercars career, and, and that was a very, very cool experience. So CL will be running. He's now got a a bit of a relationship with Porsche, having done the Bathurst 12-hour with the Alabama Motorsports squad. I know there's some plans for some international stuff, ideally at some point later this year, if they can pull that together. So this is more handy experience on another high-speed, fast and flowing circuit. And having Craig in the field is going to be really good fun. There's a lot of kids there that weren't even born when he was making his debut in the main game and bursting onto the scene in the mid-90s, So, which makes everyone else feel bloody old. But he's... Um, He's going to be good fun to watch. The, the battle at the front will be really interesting. It's it's Cooper Murray at the moment, who's the form driver. He's got the lap record at Albert Park from last year. So he's got prize at the venue, won all three races in Adelaide, leads the championship. But the man to beat at Albert Park is Dale Wood. He's won five of the last eight races there. He was on the front row last year. He's qualified well every year. He's been there and Sonic Motor Racing in particular have always got good cars. So, it's an interesting round. The other thing, boys, is that after this, Carrera Cup doesn't race again until June when they head to Townsville. So I feel like if you've got momentum after these first two rounds, you've then got three months off. It's going to be vitally important to come out of these first two back-to-back rounds in really good shape in that championship just by the way the calendar works. So um, I think there's going to be some really feisty stuff, if not more feisty than it always is in Carrera Cup this weekend. A uh, question to you two. You two know your Carrera Cup better than anyone. Where do you think Craig Lowndes is going to slot in, into that leading pack? Uh, I, I think it will be very difficult for him to be in the top eight. That that field is so that field is so competitive this year, and the cars are so unique to drive that the drivers who have been in them time and time again are going to be on the money straight away. I've got no doubt he'll be competitive by the end of the weekend, but with one practice, one qualifying, and straight into a race on Thursday night, getting up to speed, even for someone like CL, is going to be a massive challenge in a field that competitive. I tend to agree with you, Richard. I think he's only saving grace is the fact that that first race on the Thursday is a endurance race, 40 minutes or so, 45 minutes. That's going to give him an opportunity to get used to the car and probably pass a few behind him which means that if he does start towards the back from qualifying due to the fact that he doesn't have enough time in the car, he'll have that extended race to sort of move himself forward and then work on that for the remainder of the weekend. So I don't think it'll be as bad for him, but yeah, I do agree. I think those first couple of sessions are crucial for him. And I just don't know, you know, two 25-minute sessions, one being a practice and one being a qualifying, whether that's going to be enough for him to actually make any sort of impact. I totally agree with you there. Like he's not he's not going to qualify last, so he'll he'll qualify in front of the pro am guys and in amongst some of the pros and that that bottom half of the top ten. I've got no doubt no doubt about that. Knows the track, he'll get up to speed. He's had a twelve hour driving a GT three R, which is like a, a cup car on steroids. So he, he it's not going to take him an age to get up to some form of relative speed. But will he have that last 
three or four tenths that you need in Carrera Cup to be right at the very front with a Cooper Murray or a or a Dale Wood, probably not. So, and yeah, that's that's where that track time early in the weekend is going to pay off, and he can chip his way forward. It'll be fun to watch, though. Oh, he'll definitely be fun to watch. Don't worry about that. It'll be uh, great to see how he goes. And then, of course, the other category, boys, is the uh, Virgin Australia Supercars Series, the 400, so four 100-kilometre races around the streets of Adelaide. Seriously, though, boys, let's have a look at supercars and its past at uh, the Grand Prix. Hasn't been the most exciting racing, has it? Have they still... Mark are yet to get a format that works for me at that venue. They've tried longer races. They've tried short races. They've tried a combination of longer and short races. Nothing's worked. Like It strikes me that they either need to go back to the real short, sharp sprints, like six laps, uh, or they need to do a 500K endurance race at some point with pit stops and everything else. But finding a happy medium in between those so far hasn't worked. And the racing for those cars there is generally pretty flat. I mean, I think it might have been a bit more flat since they've put points on it because it's now mm. serious. Yeah. When, when there weren't points on the line, it was just an absolute free-for-all at times. I, I think the big key this weekend is that four 10-minute qualifying sessions. Uh, that's really got the potential to mix things up because if you bugger up your first flying lap and you're really quick, you dive back into the pits, don't mess around on your out lap, you might get a set second shot at it. Otherwise, yeah. it's just a one-lap screamer for pole. So if you don't get it all together, and it's a hard track to get all together because there's so many long, big, long corners. It is a long track. It's over 5Ks long. So, yeah, tough one. I think that's going to be the key. If, uh, if anyone absolutely botches their qualifying, look out because it'll be on. Um, other than that, what do you think? Scott McLaughlin, if he goes out there and smokes them again, he gets four <laughs> wins for the weekend. Do we start talking parody again, or is it just Scott McLaughlin being a full Scott McLaughlin and smoking everyone? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the good question, isn't it? And the last thing anyone needs is another parody debacle after last year. And But, uh, I mean, we had this conversation 12 months ago in that you just don't know. And, and again, you're still not going to know where the cars are at because there's, again, so many variables because this is now the first – uh, track of its style where they get to run the damper. Yes, they had 80-odd laps at the bend before the Adelaide 500, but this is a very different style of circuit again. So there's the damper issue, there's the uh, um, the tyre issue and the, the qualifying issue as well. So you're just not going to know. But like McLaughlin went and did four wins in a weekend or three wins in a weekend in the FG Falcon back in 2017. So it's not like it would be a strange thing for him to do. And in fact, the, the, I was watching some of the 2017 Grand Prix supports last night and it was Shelby Power Racing 1 and 2 and that was their first win as an entity since Roger Penske had bought into it in 2017. And they were dominant. It was either Fabian or Scott at the front of the field in the first two races. So um, they've got good prize at this place over the last couple of years. So it could very well be McLaughlin winning all four races. I don't think it will be. I, I think the the Red Bull Challenge is pretty serious and, and they seem to have got a handle on what they're doing very, very quickly, as you would expect from a team of that, that calibre. So I, I I fully expect to see a very close fight between them. And the big question for mine, boys, is what about the performances we saw in Adelaide and can they translate? Can Kelly Racing be fast again with their Mustangs? Can Chas Mostert 
continue the form they've got at Walkinshaw, or was that just a Walkinshaw traditional Adelaide performance where they've traditionally always been strong? There, for mine, are the questions that I'm looking forward to seeing answered this weekend. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's going to be a parody question brought up, even if Scott McLaughlin does take all four races, only for the fact that you've got to have all Mustangs competitive over and above the Holdens, and I think the Holdens have been pretty good from Adelaide, and hopefully we get some sort of situation where Red Bull and also WAU again are up there towards the front. And once you've got a few of those Holdens competing, parity gets thrown right out the window, or the question of parity gets thrown right out the window. If McLaughlin does win a race, though, he will equal Russell Engel as the most race races won at Albert Park on eight, and if he wins all four, he'll obviously go way ahead of that. The other person I want to speak of, guys, is Jamie Winkup. Had a fantastic Adelaide, of course, won a race there as well. Starting in his 500th Virgin Australia Supercar Championship race here at Albert Park. Where does he sit in the pantheon of drivers? Uh, right at the top. He's the goat. He's the goat. Yeah. He is. He's the, he's the best there's ever been. But, but no one is going to realise that, that until, I think, five or six years after he's retired. And by retired, I mean not just from full-time driving, but from endurance and everything. Like, th- this will be a, a topic we're talking about in 10 years, and I think that's only when people will truly appreciate what we've lived through with the, this era of Jamie Winkup domination. But his statistics are remarkable, and, and you, you compare them to any driver – that has dominated any sport in motor racing, any form of motor racing in the last 20 years, and they are, if not the best, right up there with it. Schumacher at Ferrari, the dominant era like Bourdais at Newman Haas in Champ Car. You, you compare all the statistics of dominant champions for time and time again, and win cups are right up there, if not the best. So, yeah, he, he is absolutely the go. And he's going to keep being the goat because he shows absolutely no sign of slowing down. And um, I'm not convinced this will be, you know, talk about retirement, but I don't think this will be his last year. I think he goes around again. If he finishes second or third in the championship again, or he's in contention for it at the end of the year, you keep driving, surely, because um, he's just still at the very top of his game. Yeah, he's already said that he's going to keep going next year. So that's uh, locked and loaded. Yeah, but uh, I, I mean, I mean beyond that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a driving perspective, that all speaks for itself. But the, the thing that I think he hasn't resonated with the fan base because he just doesn't have that uber personality. Mm. Um, yeah. he, he's not the Scott McLaughlin. He's not out there, you know, you know, playing his tongue. He just he just goes out there and drives. He loves it. I've sort of been privy to some Jamie behind the scenes and he's the most lovely bloke. He is just a genuine top bloke, but Punterville doesn't see that because race weekend you get race Jamie and he's all there serious about winning races, which he more often than not does. If everyone was able to see what Jamie Winkup's actually like, he'd be the most popular guy out there. He's just a good dude. And, and he just keeps getting the results. He's uh, with the best team and he's, he's built that team around him over the years and you know, they'll keep um, ploughing on there. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes this weekend. On on that, that that's an interesting point you make, Mark, because I think the the times that Jamie has resonated with the public are the t- times that he's actually been the bad guy. So yeah. running the thing out of fuel at Bathurst. Like, outside of that, you just go, oh, wink up, 
smash them again and he's dominant, great, and people move on. But oh, how about that drive by Craig Lance charging from the back of the field? Amazing. Um, but when he ran the thing out of fuel, we'd actually got some broad reaction beyond him just being a dominant race-winning driver. And it was the same in the battle with Scott McLaughlin in the Volvo in the last lap in Adelaide all those years ago. It was the same thing. It was the champ being taken on by this plucky upstart in the Swedish taxi. And and people actually discuss Winkup's role in that rather than just him being the dominant driver and then moving on. So the times when he's actually been involved in this, whether he's been in a skirmish or whatever it might be, that's when he's elicited some public response. But because he never actually, like you said, tees off and um, he doesn't have an overly excitable driving style, so you don't see the the thing hanging out at lurid angles and, you know, a Scott McLaughlin qualifying lap is infinitely more exciting to watch than Jamie Winkup, but that's just his style. Um, but it's those moments where you've actually seen a bit of the personality shine through. And, and if there were more of those, then maybe he would be more revered as a figure than he actually is. But I couldn't agree with you more, Mark. I think just his, um, his very nature means that he just goes about his car racing business and then disappears and then pops up at the next race meeting. And, and that probably is why he's not the beloved household figure or the reviled one, either or. Um, there's plenty of all-time greats in the sport that have been universally re- um, uh, reviled by fans and hated by fans, but hate is good at times. Um, yeah, I think that's why. So it's an interesting thing. And that's why I think 10 years down the road is when we're going to only get a real appreciation of what he did when we look back on this era of supercars racing. Those precedents that you cite there, and even Puka Koei last year with the safety car, it was when he was mm. flawed, when he was human, when he wasn't out there doing superhuman things. It's when he, uh, you, know, you know, it was the racer at heart that, you know, I'm going to ignore the team and, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going for the win here sort of thing. That's when those, those sort of flaws came out where he, he was human and was beatable. So, yeah, no, it's interesting tale and, uh, even when he retires from full-time, he'll keep ploughing around in Giro's forever. Like, why not? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to see how it goes. Boys, uh, get your thoughts on how you think F1's going to pan out at the Grand Prix this weekend. We saw some encouraging signs from testing over the last few weeks that uh, there may be a few cars racing point, particularly that might just step up from where they were at last year. But I think at the end of the day, it's pretty much once again going to be a fairly dominated race by the more popular brands or the brands that have been up the front more so in the last couple of years, Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull once more. I, I, I'm finding it very difficult, Shebex, to get fired up um, because my... My worry is that it's just going to be more of the same. And and we've got this regulation change coming for next year that is very exciting and has the potential to do good things, and it's certainly a step in the right direction. But we've got to wait 12 months through it. And and as a, as a racing fan, I don't know how much more of the same I can take. Um, I, you know, we've, we've all lived through dominant areas. Everyone goes, oh, yeah, but no one complained when Schumacher was dominating all the time. And, and that might be the case, but... I'm just, I'm really struggling to, as a race fan, um, get fired up about it because I just don't see things changing that much because the way the sport is structured and run, um, it's just geared towards if you're the big boys, you're going to be the dominant ones. So that that's my issue. I, I don't see things changing too much from a results point of view, but there's a bit of a holding pattern this year to get these new regs out for 21 
and a bit of a new era for Formula One where they can make better racing cars, where they can try and level the performance level between the teams and, and make more people competitive. The the funny thing for mine is that, and, and there's a tinge of nostalgia on this, but Fox Sports has been running old Grand Prix in the week leading up to their coverage this weekend. And I flicked on the television on Monday night and a couple of friends messaged me and the 93 Donington famous European Grand Prix where Senna won by almost a lap in the wet conditions was on. And it was from a racing point of view, it wasn't a good race. At one point he'd lapped. It wasn't. It was terrible. At one point he'd lapped the entire field, completely dominant. Um, Damon Hill ultimately got a lap back through pit stops at the end and, and finished a minute behind. But he was the only other car on the lead lap. And the car in fifth place was two laps down and a Minardi scored points in six. And you know if a Minardi scoring points, things have gone bad. Um, it wasn't a great race, but my God, those cars were good and they slid around and it didn't matter that they were 20 seconds a lap slower than the current thing. But they were spectacular and they made the right noises and the drivers worked hard. And I'm not saying they don't now, but um, it was just a bit of a taste of uh, what I think we're missing from that spectacular show thing. Now, there's nothing better than a Formula One car through 12 and 13 at Albert Park, that fast left-right complex at the back of the circuit. Those cars loaded with downforce on the sticky, slick tyre they use in quality. It's unbelievable to watch those cars through there. It is it is phenomenal to see a Grand Prix car tip into a corner at 290 kilometres an hour and not lift. But from a racing point of view, it's not great. And I'd rather see them having a big break and a big lift than sliding around. So, I don't know. These are just the rantings of a of a fan who's uh, struggling to get engaged with it. But um, to go back to your initial point, Shebex, I think it'll be usual service resumed at the front of the field. Uh, uh, first, first point of call, uh, head to theracetalk.com and check out the preview. I amused myself putting that together. It's uh, good value, if I say so myself. <laughs> no, I agree. You completely. Can, are you going to back me up? Good. Thank oh, you. 100%. Yeah. Yep. Same here. Uh, second, second of all, uh, Albert Park's always a bit of a race of attrition, isn't it? That first mm-hmm. race of the year, they haven't got all their stuff sorted. We've seen some uh, reliability niggles for the Mercedes in pre-season testing, so who knows? Maybe it'll carry over to race weekend. Maybe it won't. The racing point, uh, isn't that just last year's Mercedes? Correct me if I'm wrong, but all the articles, it's hilarious. It is a carbon yeah. copy. Mm. They've just good. copied it. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Why hasn't everybody else sat down and gone, <laughs> hey, that guy won everything last year. Let's do that. Like, the rules permit you to do this. You can design your own car. If it looks exactly the same as anyone else, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, why hasn't everybody else done that? I hope they come out and win some races this year because that would just be all the other teams in pit lane would be sitting there going, oh, oh yeah, maybe, maybe we should have made something like the dominant car of the last seven years. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how all that pans out. But uh, it, it's just a t- tough track. I mean, you can have as many DRS zones as you like, but there's just not a lot of overtaking. You've got a lot of fast corners. Even the slow corners aren't terribly slow. I mean, 10 three's a bit slow, but... Uh, you know, turn one at the end of that DRS zone. It's not really a slow corner. So uh, we'll tune in as we always do. But, uh, yeah, not expecting anything out of this world, I don't think. No, totally agree. Boys, great to have you on as always. Thank you so much for uh, our preview of this weekend's Australian Grand Prix and the support categories. Look forward to catching up next week when we uh, review it and see how it all went. 
Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, now, what what are we doing? Saturday night, I think, is the go for those still listening. Oh yes, uh, Saturday night. Waiting. Um, yeah, I'm I'm committed to this now. Uh, the bank balance has recovered after the Adelaide 500, where many many people turned out. Uh, we're talking about beers on the race talk, um, by the way. Uh, what pub, Shebex? You're the local. Well, I'd, I'd say the Middle Park Hotel is probably the best because it's right at the track. Okay. Well, well, let's let's say Middle Park Hotel and probably. Saturday night because I'm busy Friday. So there you go. Yeah, and I'm busy Saturday, so I'll let you uh, handle the, the festivities. Oh, then on the stitch up. Dodgy. <laughs> Maybe are you at the uh, are you at the MCG? Maybe we should just go to the footy. No, no, not at the MCG. I've actually got a uh, a Hall of Fame dinner that I'm hosting on the Saturday night at Cashy, so I'm not going to oh. miss that. For... I thought you were being inducted. No. Yes. <laughs> no, my wallet is. All right. Well, there you go. Um, at the race talk will be the Twitter account. We'll confirm details on that. Beautiful stuff, guys. Always great to catch up. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, boys. Richard Crowell and Mark Walker joining us here on The Grid. All right, joining us on the line now to have a chat about what's going to be a fantastically big weekend down at Albert Park is Lee Holdsworth, who will be going around in the Truck Assist Mustang, of course, prepared by Tickford Motorsport. Nick, uh, Nick Lee, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, Tony. How are you? I don't know where the Nick came from. I think it was the Tickford, I think, got me thrown a little bit there. Mate, <laughs> I'm fantastic. Not as good as you, though. You must be ecstatic about the way the year started for you over in Adelaide. Yeah, I guess more so the Sunday. Were, you know, To finish the weekend with a strong car was the most positive thing. The start of it wasn't great. Um but, you know, the most promising for, for, thing for me was that we got our heads around it and we worked out what the problems were and we came away with a speedy car on Sunday and um, ended up, you know, in a pretty decent spot in the championship. That was my plan was to come out in the top ten and we achieved that. So now I just want to keep the momentum rolling and have a good w- weekend at the OzGP. And there's every indication that you guys will have a fantastic weekend at the OzGP. It was, for the team as a whole, it was a, a really good start to the year. Uh, tell us about the feeling in the in the, the garages over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I suppose over the break, well, you know, Tickford Racing was pretty confident that we'd come in with a, a pretty good product this year and... You know the the changes that Supercar have done over the break with Aero, with with the with the new shock, the Super Shock, um, has you know it was always a bit of an unknown as what they would do to the to the car and the balance of the car. But um, we've been pleasantly surprised from the the moment we rolled the car out at the test day. Um, the shock has actually been, I, I think, a, a fantastic thing for the for the sport this year and um you know a great leveler between all the teams gives a lot of teams a lot uh, better opportunity to um close the gap to the the bigger teams and um uh and the era i think has been great as well but yeah to roll out you know we had quick cars at the at the test day and we rolled into adelaide with um probably four pretty quick cars to be honest well we certainly finished with four very quick cars so uh, I think the feeling within the camp has been really positive and uh, and I, I feel like, you know, I certainly believe that, that we're in for a really strong year um, and that we can build on 2019. Have you found it surprising, Lee, that uh, people have been sort of trying to label uh, someone as a leader 
of the, the Tickford team, whether it be Cam Waters himself or whoever it may be. But there seems to be this, this constant looking for someone to be the number one driver at that team. Is that a necessity or is it uh, something that you guys aren't even playing with? Oh, I, I don't think it's something that, you know, you uh, the, the team focuses on, that's for sure. You know, I think that Tickford um, certainly don't focus on one driver in particular. I think that, you know, we've got four cars and, and four drivers and, uh, and and everyone gets their equal shot. So uh, I think that it's, it's more the perception that if someone's there for uh, the longest period of time, then they have right to... Uh, you know, to being that, to being labelled as the number one, and I think you know Cam um, has certainly been labelled that this year. Uh, he's he's a he's an awesome young talent and um, and a bloody good guy too. Like we get on we get on really well. So um, well, actually, all four of us do. But Cam's uh, Cam's very good with with his feedback with um, creating a direction for his car. But you know, I think we all going on our own separate you know paths in a in a uh, a very small varying varying way so mm. you know we've all got our own uh preferences in, in what we do and uh, i think we focus with our engineer on on which way which way we go rather than just on one driver and trying to drive like that driver uh so yeah i, th- I think it's more a perception from the public I think it'd be fair to say that Jack LeBrock had a fairly testing year last year as well. Uh, similar, I suppose, to yourself back in 2018. Have you had an opportunity to sit with Jack and, and talk about his year last year and, and how he can turn that around? Yeah, I very much see the way that Jack is at the moment as uh, you know, similar to where I was uh, coming into Tickford at the start of last year. You know, you've been from a, a team that was struggling and um and you know the there's your doubters there's your there's the people that you know, well you even start doubting yourself after a while and i think jack went through a lot of that uh certainly you know he well that was the you know that was the team that that brought him into the full-time sport and um and he really wasn't able to prove his talent i don't think uh but to, but tickford you know had him as a uh, as a co-driver in the past and also as the Super 2 driver and they knew what he was capable of. So um, I think it's you know, about building his confidence back up and um, and probably getting rid of some, some habits that uh, that he uh, had instilled in him over the past yeah. couple of years to drive around problems. Um, but, but I went through the same sort of thing. So, yeah, just trying to, trying to help him get back to where he needs to be and you know I think he's a speedy driver and he's got a lot of talent and you know he's very young so uh, I think he's got a, a good future ahead of him. Speaking of speedy drivers a guy that you spent a bit of time with last year was Chas Mostert at Tickford of course he's found his way over at WAU this year were you surprised I'm sure you weren't of the pace that him and that team put together over the summer in regards to uh, getting a, a fairly decent car compared to what they had last year on the track in Adelaide? Uh, no, I wasn't surprised. Uh, I think that, you know, for one thing, 
Walken, the Walkinshaw cars have always been quite quick at street circuits. Maybe not last year. Um, I forget where they were last year, but certainly in the in the past, in history, they've they've certainly shown a lot of speed on street circuits. So to roll out and, and be speedy in Adelaide, I, I wasn't surprised, but I was. I, I guess the the thing that uh, probably um, impressed me the most was the speed at the test day, because I think that those cars um, have have struggled on the the longer radius corners in the past and they seem to have uh their heads around that a bit more this year and you know obviously they've got adam debore there um they've got a lot of smart guys at walkinshaw so uh you know i think that i i certainly knew that they had the resources to get to where they need to be and and they needed a bit of direction um and they've got that with with Chaz and adam and um i think that there'll be a pretty strong force this year I was so happy for you last year and a stat that you probably don't want brought up, but it, it just goes to show how tough this business can be at times. I think last year you claimed your first top 10 championship ranking in seven years and snapped a 2,045-day mm. podium drought <laughs> along the way. Uh, Mate, you've always yeah. had the ability, you've always been thereabouts, but... 2,045 days, that equates to nearly eight years. This is a tough game, isn't it? It is a tough game. And if you put yourself in the wrong situation, you can find yourself very easily getting thrown out of the category. And um, and that's where I was at. You know, I, I was... Uh, I, I came from GRM having uh, the world at my feet, basically, at the end of uh, my time there. And I had plenty of teams to choose from. And I went with Stone Brothers, who were an absolutely you know top level team and um and spent a year there uh, after you know signing a three-year contract with them and then obviously it turned to Erebus and um and then we we started basically it was that was a uh back to step one yeah, really fresh. with the with the team and with the, where they were at uh in developing a brand new car and um, and from then, you know, it was just really hard to bounce back from that because when you're not getting results, the phone's not calling. Um, so, you know, I, it came a point where I had to try and put myself in a in a better team and or a, a team that more so, uh, yeah, we it was a great team, Erebus, but it, we just didn't have the results that we needed at that time because the car wasn't, mm. you know, developed um, to the to the point that it needed to be. So um, uh, moving on to to Charlie's and it was a customer operation um, and really I just never got myself into the right uh, surroundings or um, right team to, to actually get back to where I, where I needed to be. So sort of stopped the momentum of my career a fair bit but now I find myself at Tickford which is where um, I wanted to be for a very long time um and 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 now able to build again on my on my career and you know I know it's a very it's a very late point in my career to to be building again but you know I've I've got more more fire in my belly and and more motivation than uh I reckon I've ever had to to succeed so um it's actually really exciting for me to you know to know that each meeting, uh, I can improve and uh, and I can get more out of myself and I can get more out of the car, um, and actually, you know, strive for those podiums and and strive for some wins. 
Now, this can be a depressing stat as well, but it depends on which way you take it. I think with James Courtney out of a full-time drive now, do you become the oldest driver in the field at 37? Oh, absolutely not, Tony. Come on, on, mate. You need to do your research. <laughs> it just occurred to me. It just came you, to Look, I'll, I'll, I'm going to reel them off for you. There's Coulthard ahead of me. Coulthard? Uh, there's Will Davison way ahead go. of me. No, not way. He's, he's ahead of me. Uh, there's um, Jamie Wincup's only a few days younger okay. than me. But uh, And then you've got uh, Mark Winterbottom, who's a couple of years ahead. Um, there's, a, there's a few. There's Gee, I think there's one more as well. Uh, I think Rick Kelly. Well, Rick might Kelly be could, be, yes, you could yeah. be right there. Um, so let me rephrase that. At 37, you're one of the older drivers in the field. <laughs> how, how, I'm not, you, you spoke yeah, about the I'm fire in the old, belly. But I'm, I'm one of the more mature drivers. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> you spoke about the fire in the belly. How long does this career go for? Oh, look, it's hard to say. I, I think that. You've, you've just got to, well, you know, as long as you, you feel that you're at the top of your game and, and you're doing, uh, you know, you're getting the results on the board and you're, you're pleasing the team and the sponsors and yourself, um, then then you go for as long as you can. Yeah. But I think that uh, probably, you know, obviously Lowndes is on a, on a pretty, was on a very high level, but um, he realised when, when his time was up because he was... Uh, you know, I think he, he he may have. I think he'd be the first to admit that he lost a little bit in qualifying, um, a bit of that edge, and um, and that's when he realised that it was it was probably time to hang the boots up. Um, so I, I don't feel that I'm at that. <laughs> I'm a long way off that at the moment, and uh, I would have thought that you know I could push on till 40 before I even uh, start seeing those signs. So look, I, I think that. I've got another. I, I would say I'd, I'd hope that I've got another three, four, five years left in me at this top level. I'm sure you have, mate. I have no doubt about that. Final one for you, Albert Park. Uh, it's an amazing weekend always with the Formula One crew when they come in, and it's just all glitz and glamour. This is one of the favourite weekends of the year. Yeah, it's it's really cool weekend because it's the one round. Probably the, maybe even the only round of the year where we actually become a spectator for yeah. for. A, a fair part of it uh you know being the uh you know the feature event i guess um underneath the formula one you know the main show is the the formula one guys and we love seeing those guys go around and it's always i guess it's probably the best round of the year for formula one as well because you just don't know where the teams are at until they're until qualifying you don't really know what they've got to to give for 2020 so um, I think it's really exciting in that way, but also, you know, there's a whole heap of other categories that are really cool to watch as well, and it's not it's not massively um, demanding on us for uh, for media appearances and um, and that sort of thing. So, and our time on track is is limited as well. So you just want to you, you make the most of the time on track, but also, um, you know, you really enjoy that off track stuff as well. Lovely to catch up with you, mate. Always really appreciate it. And uh, Chris and the team at Truck Assist have done a fantastic job in uh, giving you a car and uh, getting you in their car. And uh, hopefully things will uh, continue to go well in 2020. And uh, who knows what we might be talking about towards the pointy end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tony. And, yeah, hopefully we can get that Truck Assist Mustang up right up the front this weekend. That's that's the aim. And 
uh, and spray some champagne. Thanks for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Well, there you have it. Another episode of On the Grid wrapped up and locked in the can. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you to Lee Holdsworth, Richard Quayle, and also Mark Walker for their time. Enjoy the Australian Grand Prix this weekend. If you're going, it's going to be a great weekend to go and watch some car racing. And if you're not, enjoy it on the tally. We'll catch you next week when we wrap up what I'm sure will be a massive weekend down at the Australian Grand Prix right here on the grid with thanks to theracetalk.com. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.